0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittum, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Today's episode is such a special one. We have Jen Jordan here on the podcast, JJ for short. Talk about an extraordinary person, just not even an extraordinary runner, but she certainly is just an extraordinary person on so many levels. Um, This is going to be one of those episodes that by the end I was like, okay, (laughs) we got to get JJ back on here uh, later on this year just to follow along with what she's doing because she is just such. A remarkable person, and it's just really exciting to talk to people like this. I mean, this is the entire reason I have the show, and she is uh, certainly an embodiment of that. But before we get into the episode, I want to give a shout-out to PrevineX. They have been sponsoring this show for so long, but even more importantly, putting out such great products. Joint Health Plus is the best supplement I have ever taken, and that's why I continue to take it now for such a long time. Whether or not PrevineX sponsors the episodes or not, they've kind of come and gone as a sponsor, but have been here for the long term for the most part. It doesn't matter to me. I'm taking Joint Help Plus either way, but you already know that. And What's more important for me is to know that other people are having the same experiences I am. And I get these reviews from Joint Health Butts. They send me as soon as people do reviews on their site and they use my code as well. And it's so nice to see. We got Gary. Gary, age 33, has been taking it. This product has been a huge help. I started noticing the difference in my joint health within the first five days. I highly recommend this product as it helps me get ready and be prepared to take on the rigors and being highly competitive as a runner, as well as being a teacher and a coach and a soldier as well. This is just so awesome. I mean, when you see people having that kind of uh, reaction to a supplement, it just means so much. Because oftentimes, you don't know exactly what's in a supplement. or Even if you see, you read what's in there, it can be tough right? Just to pick things out and to trust things. But you see, not only am I having great experiences, you see other people as well, like Christine F, age 43. I've been dealing with occasional joint pain from running. I started taking Joint Health Plus and was so pleased with the result. After two weeks of starting, I noticed a difference. I would recommend this product to any of my running friends. And I recommend it to you. So go to Previnex.com today. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order today. So let's get into it with Jen Jordan. Jen, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, you're going to be able to see how professional I am at this, because we are now doing this for the second time. We just had a really <laughs> weird technical breakdown. So let's see if I can do this again. All right. Let's do so, Jen, it. I'm just so excited to have you on here. I've been following your running Instagram for a while. You do a lot of cool stuff. And you're someone who obviously is you know pretty advanced as an amateur runner. You, you know, run 70 miles a week. You've done a two-person Ragnar, which is normally a six-person event. You've done it with two people, which is insane. And recently you had a complete alteration from a, a complete alteration. We've had a, a body composition change recently. And you had a really interesting Instagram post about that. I wanted to talk to you about because a lot of people who've gone through something similar to that usually come from a place of like, I'm not exercising and now I am exercising and here's how I've changed. My body has adapted. That wasn't you. You were super active before, during, and now uh, as well. However, before we get into that, when people hear those sorts of bona fides regarding your athletic you know journey where you are now they might have certain assumptions of like, wow, Jen has been running for a long time. she's like, this is a complete badass like I wonder <laughs> how long she's been like crushing it for. that doesn't seem like it's completely the case. so tell us where this all started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. so um, I started running about 2012. I was 65 70 pounds heavier at the time. Um, my son was two and a half years old. I still had the body, the, the extra weight from the pregnancy, the extra weight from the freshman 15 in college that I never got rid of. Um, so I bought a jogging stroller. It was something that I could do with him outside. It was something that I thought at the time would be a cheap hobby, um, get me moving, uh, get me back in shape. Um, started with Couch to 5K, which I absolutely love. Um, First day you run a minute straight and I thought I was gonna die. Um doubled over dry heaving after a single minute of running. Um, but stuck with it, got back out there for day two, day three, eventually. Um, I think three months later, I ran my first 5k. Um, and then it was kind of off and on running here and there. I did lose about 30 pounds just with running. Um and then my sister convinced me to sign up for my first half marathon. And then um, it wasn't until probably five years later that I started really getting into ultras um, and kind of took off from there.
0: And what was the impetus behind, you know, continuing to step up and up and up as opposed to maybe just keeping it where it's at or like I've done the race. Now I'm going to move on to something else. Like, Why did you keep growing in regards to your interest in the sport and just general overall mileage?
1: So I'm very much goals driven. Um, and I have to set bigger and better goals. Um, and I think I realized I had done, um, I think it was 2015, 2016. I did something like eight to 10 marathons in that year. Um, and I'm not necessarily the fastest runner by any means. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm decent. I'm, I love where I'm at. I celebrate where I'm at. Um, but I knew that I was kind of hitting a plateau speed-wise. Um, and so then I thought, well, why not push the, the envelope with distance? Um, and the group that I joined when I moved to North Orlando has some very, very crazy runners in it. Um, and when I was training, I was doing Hanson's for a marathon and running 65, 70 miles a week. And uh, one of my friends said, you know, you're training already at the distance that you would need for a hundred miler. What do you think about it?
0: (laughs) All right. right. (laughs) I love how you characterize them as doing crazy things. When you're into this (laughs) journey as someone who's basically running a marathon a month, which is, I think a lot of people would describe that as like, that is, that takes a lot for sure. When when you say marathon, basically when when you're doing that kind of output how would you classify how you were running those in terms of like, were you out there every time? Like I'm going to run this as fast as I can, you know, where there some of like certain races you did that, certain races you wouldn't, how would you kind of go through that?
1: Yeah. For the most part, I was running them all at my limit. Um, so yes, I was pushing my body oh my <laughs> probably past where I should have been. Um, at the time I really didn't know, how to train properly so you know pretty much every training run was at the same pace every race that i ran was at the same pace i was training at my race pace i was kind of
0: getting faster
1: (laughs) I was kind of all over the place um not doing what you should be doing when training at that distance
0: wow so did you this is this is an incredible amount of running especially at an elevated pace right we're not talking about recovery paces here obviously so how did you like manage to like, I not manage, but how did it go from an injury standpoint uh, for you during that period of time?
1: I would say that I got pretty lucky. I mean, knowing what I know now, I probably should have been injured a lot more than I was. Um, I really didn't take care of my body the way I should have. I didn't fuel properly. Um, I really didn't know any better. So I, I was running more to run the races and not as much training. Um, so I would do, you know, a couple of shorter runs during the week, you know, maybe 15 to 20 miles on the weekends that I wasn't racing and then go out and race, like you said, once a month. Um, but I wasn't doing all the things that I should have been doing to support that.
0: Well, I guess that makes sense Like, there's no way you'd be able to do all of that at once and stay healthy for an extended period of time of like doing like, hey, I'm going to do all this training during the week and race, and race all of these weekends. Um, you know, and you, know, you have other parts of your life as well, right? Like you mentioned, you're a parent, you work, like there's no way that from a recovery standpoint that would even be possible for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah, but I definitely got lucky as far as, you know, I should have been injured several times over during that period of running.
0: This this is so many miles, and I'm, like, <laughs> sitting here. I'm, like, baffled. Like, this is absolutely wild. So, all of a sudden, you're, you've joined this group where the way you framed it, what you're doing isn't really an outlier. It's just kind of like, hey, everyone else is doing this. Did you happen upon this kind of group, or was this, like, you were searching for some sort of, like, like-minded runners uh, at that time?
1: Um, so, when I was – in the East Orlando area, I was part of a group called Moms Run this Town, which is a national group. Um, and then when I moved to North Orlando, one of the girls that was in the same group introduced me to a different group, West Volusia Runners, that is packed full of crazy ultra runners. So it was kind of happenstance. I didn't I wasn't necessarily looking um, but once I joined them, I knew I had found my people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how did? How did this scheduling work with the other parts of your life? And I think that oftentimes people who may be positively predisposed to becoming an ultra runner or even a really good marathoner, because oftentimes the training really isn't any different for the most part. Um, in each one of those camps, especially if you're talking about 50 K and 50 milers. Um, what was, what were you able to do scheduling wise in the, with the various aspects of your life to make this a sustainable endeavor?
1: Um, so you know you obviously have to sacrifice some stuff. So you know, from a social standpoint, um obviously early bedtimes during the week, especially on friday, Saturday nights. so what
0: does what does early mean?
1: Uh, I don't get as much sleep as I should, but I try to be in bed by nine o'clock uh, most nights. We run anywhere from start time of four fifteen. Usually by four thirty we're hitting the road uh, during the week.
0: Um, and, and how then many people are you running with in terms of like that early hour,
1: 430, we usually have four or five of us, and then we'll have 25 to 30 at 5.00 AM. So that's wow. when the, the main group is at 5.00 AM. Um, but we have some that need to start early for, you know, whatever reason they have to get to work, they have to get their kids ready. So I'm almost never, I, I hardly ever log miles by myself.
0: That's really impressive.
1: I'm very, very lucky.
0: There have been times in my life where I was on a similar schedule. Maybe I didn't go to bed as early and I paid for it, but I woke up at the same time as you and I never ran with anybody for like five years for that exact reason. This is so interesting.
1: There is no question I would not put in the miles that I put in if it weren't for the group that I run with.
0: So weekday miles, what is kind of a typical say Monday through Friday? What are some what's a typical daily run look like for you and when do, when do you finish up?
1: So um, Monday's always my rest day. I usually have eight to 12 miles during the week. I'd say eight to ten is usually um, the distance. Tuesdays are usually speed work. Um, so we'll start anywhere like I said, 4:15 to 430. Um, done and home by 6:30 at the latest. Um, ready to either get my kid up. Um, sometimes he gets himself up, or you know, shower, get to work. I try to leave for work by seven fifteen and get to work by eight.
0: You're out of the door by seven fifteen. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I, I can't even I've believe it. <laughs>
1: perfected taking a fast shower, getting ready, getting out the door.
0: Holy cow! All right. So does 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 little guy is he on the bus like or does he get the bus to himself? Does dad help out? What's what's the now
1: so so I'm a single mom. um, So during the school year, I have him by myself. Um, I'm very lucky that he is super independent. Um, Now that he's in middle school, his bus doesn't come till eight fifty five. So he'll wake up usually after I'm at the door at seven 38 o'clock. And then, you know, I FaceTime with him every morning, make sure he gets breakfast, brushes his teeth, all that good stuff. Um, and gets on the bus on time.
0: Wow. So you guys are making this thing work. this is, this is oh, very, yeah. very interesting. Um, this is so strange because like not strange. Cause I would, I can see myself say if I was in that position being like, all right, there's just too many hurdles here. There's too many hurdles. I'm doing this by myself. The kids, the kids are going get to school on his own. Like I can, even if they were perfectly capable and willing, I could see my, I could see talking myself into the fact that, no, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then and to make it happen. Obviously, that's not what happened here with you. Is this something that for you, you've kind of learned to embrace or maybe were you a super independent kid and this just kind of comes natural for you as a parent? Like how does, how did this kind of manifest itself?
1: Um, I, I just think that we're both problem solvers. So, you know, we, we have our priorities. Um, obviously it's very selfish, but it's one of the top priorities in my life. Um, and I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So it's, it's, we figure out how to make everything work because, you know, everything has to happen. And so, you know, one way or another, we're going to make it all happen.
0: There you go. Yeah, and you certainly do. So tell me about this two-person Ragnar event. So, like, Ragnar has been a sponsor of this podcast before. Really cool stuff. And obviously with COVID, that was, like, such a crippling thing for their business. People traveling around in vans. Obviously, that's not what what was going on for a lot of of people. Um, But it's a really cool thing where you get the van going. You're going through this relay. And it really is interesting. Um, It's hard for six people to do it. It is a true test. You don't get a lot of sleep. There's almost no recovery for people and they're out there running and they feel like every time they get back at it, they are still recovering from their last run. And, th- yep. and this is under normal circumstances with the race. You did not approach it in a normal way. <laughs> First of all, why not?
1: I mean, not much about me is normal. So why do any race in a normal fashion? Um, I had done... so trail Ragnars are eight person or four person is an ultra. And so I had done Ragnar Alifaya as a four person team. Um, and I've also done it as an eight person team. And so I don't know, it just got this crazy idea one day that I don't want to go back and do the same thing I've already done. So let's see if they'll allow us to do it as a two person team.
0: There you go. See, Ragnar, like, they they even undersold this because they got their video on their website where they they chronicle you and Diane going through this, and they even frame it as, like, six people, right? Because I think that's kind of what it is for the for road Ragnar, the six Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. Um, But for for ultra, it could actually be eight. You guys are out here doing it with two. Um, So you said you want to do it with two. Was there an obvious selection for for your uh, partner?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So Diane's the one that got me into 100-mile races, um, and I knew out of everybody in the group, if I was going to approach somebody and know almost hundred percent that they'd say, yes, it would be Diane.
0: So is this just you getting back at her for bringing you into the ultra community?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I love, I love ultras. I love everything about ultras. The community is amazing. Um, no, it was just, I wanted to experience it with her.
0: So tell me about the reco- like the m- mileage and recovery for these stages. Because this is an enormous endeavor, I guess. I guess. I guess. Generally speaking, how many miles did you have to go, and how many miles did you have to cover? And we'll talk about like how this broke down. Because I think you, the, these wild adventures are just fascinating, and I love to kind of hear like the logistics first uh, before we dive into how we even made this possible. Absolutely, by we I mean you guys, and I'm not <laughs> <looking at Andy. laughs>
1: Yeah. So um, at the actual race, we each did hundred k, and you know under normal circumstances 100k which you know it, it is a long way 62.4 62 miles, miles is yeah. is a long way um but running 62 miles straight is one thing doing 62 miles as a relay where it's double the time you have rest time in between is a completely different beast that i don't think either of us were as prepared for the mental aspect and the physical toll that taking that takes on you of having all that rest time um, and extending the lack of sleep, pretty much double what you would normally be doing for a hundred K.
0: So did you think that the going into it, did you think the rest time would be a positive?
1: For yes. You? Yes.
0: Gotcha. And how you just yes. framed it turned out, it really, it,
1: was, it really wasn't. It was not, we were so much more tired at the end than we would have been just running a hundred K straight. Like neither of us, The first couple of times were okay, And then once we got into the middle of the night, neither of us wanted to stop. We just both wanted to run and have versus having to wait for the other person to do their leg and then go back out um, with no sleep.
0: So were you was it was it the van model for you or was it just like were you kind of camped out?
1: We were camping, which was almost worse because Diane hates camping, which I love it. But it was still, you know, you're roughing it in between. So it's not like you're getting good, solid sleep or, you know, rest.
0: So were you what were the typical lengths for each leg? Not just in terms of mileage, but also for time.
1: Um, so obviously at the beginning we were a little bit faster, but I think the, the distances were four, six, and seven for red, uh, yellow and green. Um, I got those backwards, green, yellow, and red. So at the beginning, we um, alternated every other loop. So it was anywhere from four to seven miles, uh, maybe 45 minutes to an hour, hour 15, when we got a little slower. And then overnight, we decided to double up the legs um, so that we could have a little bit more rest in between. If we wanted to take a nap, we could. Um, and that helped, but it was still just you know going for 30 hours. I don't even remember what our time was, 25 hours versus you know you do 100K and... to 13 hours and you're done
0: were you able to sleep
1: um I mean uh, no not really I might have closed my eyes for 15 minutes and you know got back up and kept going but it was
0: you didn't have the Courtney DeWalter 87 second nap or anything
1: no I am not that talented
0: (laughs) so and then also you have to keep refueling so it's not even like all right I have an hour off like no you have to like go to the bathroom, change your water bottle? Do you have to change your gear? Do you have to eat? How much do you eat? Uh, were you able to incorporate your um, kind of practiced ultra running um, eating techniques in this event? Or was it kind of like a whole new territory?
1: I think it was a whole new territory because going that uh, for that long, you don't want your typical gels or you know in the middle of the night a lot of times for ultras you'll have soup or ramen or that kind of thing because it was so much longer time we wanted more solid foods um so it was incorporating more normal foods um you know Ragnar has their their runner village where they have food trucks and that kind of thing so we were able to eat a little bit more than we would have during a normal ultra
0: I love food trucks as much as anybody um that's so strong I like food trucks However, when I think of food truck fare, it's not exactly the kind of thing I want in my belly when I'm running, especially like if I'm already, co- my body's completely out of sorts to begin with. And it's like, oh, we're going to introduce this variable into the mix. Like, so <laughs> what were some of the things that you were eating, not in the beginning, but say like you're halfway through, right? So you got a lot going on already. You still have plenty more to go. What were some things that actually worked for your body from a food standpoint?
1: Um, I mean, I remember I had a hamburger or a cheeseburger. Um, they did have a stir-fried truck, so rice and and some steak and some grilled veg- Um I mean, it's standard, like even during ultras, you'll have cheese- burgers and and that kind of food. Um, so it wasn't anything like crazy. Um, I think it was pretty safe food.
0: okay. So it wasn't like anything like super greasy.
1: No, no. They probably did have that, but I I steered away. Like you said, your body's already thrown out of whack. We don't need to take it to the next level.
0: Now, when you're going through those things, and obviously you get to the point where, and again, this is all relative, but like just objectively speaking – or like you're just sore all over. Like you don't like objectively, you don't feel good. You might feel good relatively speaking, like compared to how I felt at mile thirty last time I did this or something like that. But objectively, you're not fresh. You're not feeling great. What are some of the things that you do to just keep going in those instances? Because I think that's something that people who are not familiar with ultras, they can't wrap their head around the uncomfortability of what must seep in at some point, no matter how much training you do or how much experience you have.
1: Yeah. Um, so I definitely, I mean, my son gives me a lot of motivation. I want him to be proud of me. I want him to see success and and see, you know, the drive. Um, but it's also, you know, months of training goes into a lot of these races. And so I think back to all the, you know, sweat and tears that I left out on the trail and knowing how disappointed I'm going to be if I quit, knowing that the pain is temporary. Um, I've had my fair share of DNFs uh, and pretty much all of them, except for the one that I was injured, I completely regret. Um, And so that also helps. I know the feeling of defeat and I know how bad it felt the next day and the day after. Um, and so that definitely keeps me going on some of these tougher runs,
0: which is one DNF that you come back to a lot, maybe more often than others in terms of when you made that decision, what was, what was the reasoning in the moment? And when you look back now with regret, why do you regret that soon?
1: Yeah. Arkansas traveler is by far the biggest DNF that I regret. I uh, dropped it mile 58. It's, uh, hundred miler in the mountains. Um, and this Florida girl was not prepared for the mountains. Um, I started having thoughts of quitting at mile 45. I was out there by myself, no crew. Um, I didn't know any of the other runners. I didn't have a pacer. Um, and so the climb to the turnaround at mile 58 was a two and a half, three mile climb. I thought that the turnaround was at mile 56. So by the time I got to 58, I was just done. And it was completely mental. Um, I could have run the next day. Like I, sure, I was a little bit sore from the mountains, but I, I was fine. Um, and I just quit on myself mentally. And you know, obviously, looking back, I should have just snapped out of it. Pain is temporary. Keep going.
0: So was it that that in that mile and a half between the where you thought the turnaround was going to be and where it was was it this feeling of like i don't know where i am or who knows where this turnaround is it's kind of like were you aware that you were still relatively close to the turnaround or what was the what were the mental games going on during you know that 15 minutes or so or that, that really kind of set you over the edge where you you felt like this was going to be it
1: yeah. So I think just the last two miles were the the cherry on top of, I had no desire to go up one more mountain. Um, I, I just, you know, hundred miles is a long freaking way.
0: <laughs> so Spoiler alert for any, any, anyone <laughs> considering ultras.
1: So by the time you get to mile 50, you're like, Oh, I'm halfway done. And then it's Holy crap. I still have 50 more miles to go. Um, and so I just, In my head, knowing that I still had 42 plus more miles to go by myself up the mountains, down the mountains. I mean, that race was insane. A snake crossed my path at one point by around mile um, 56. And I just took that as a sign that, nope, I'm done. This isn't for me. I'm good.
0: Oh, interesting. Are we sure it was a snake? Could could it have been a hallucination at that point? Have you had hallucinations on the trail?
1: I don't think so. People talk about it. I mean, I've had where like um, at uh, Long Haul in January, I was holding on to my pacer with my eyes closed, just telling her to keep me on the trail because I had nothing left in me and I needed a nap. Um, But I don't think that I've hallucinated like people talk about yet.
0: So you tried to nap while running or did you nap while running?
1: I mean, I think I dozed off. Um, but I, at that point I had like another mile to the aid station and I had already said, okay, I'm going to take a 10 minute nap at the aid station, but to get there was just brutal.
0: I feel like that's like a personal, like, or like a, a physiological line you don't want to cross of like the napping while running. Cause all of a sudden you're like, all right, like my body's now this is okay. My body's like, think this is fine now. So now it's yeah. like now no longer, I forget the 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 physical system that occurs when we sleep and all of a sudden like our, our body kind of like becomes comatose in a way so that we don't literally act out our dreams and, you know, to the, to the health and safety of <laughs> ourselves and whoever happens to be in the house. Um, so I feel like if you knocked off, like you, if you knocked that wall down, it would ultimately might benefit you in the moment. I think long-term you'd be like, all right, now I'm acting out this dream where I'm jumping off ledges and like, I'm literally yes. doing it while I'm sleeping.
1: <laughs> that could end up very badly.
0: <laughs> all right. So this, this is all fascinating to me. You obviously are doing so many cool things. And you're doing this as a single parent, working as an engineer. You're just you're living a life that I feel like a lot of people out there are like, I wonder if I could do this. I wonder if I can do this. And yet, here you were, beginning of 2021, um, at on some level, not completely happy with, your body composition so can we just start from that point of like deciding um that you want to make some sort of change and why because obviously again i don't want to put words in your mouth your body's been very good to you in terms of you've been healthy you've done all of these amazing things it wasn't like this was like a you know some people have, you know, have like this rebellious relationship with their body. that's constantly injured and it doesn't, they, they can't do the things that they want to do. You've experienced so many things. So where did this, where did the genesis come in terms of wanting to change some of what was going on?
1: Yeah. So middle of January is when I ran my last hundred miler, um, which was long haul. Finished 2210.
0: Had a, oh my God. A, You're killing amaz- it, JJ. Twenty two ten.
1: Amazing race. I mean, I, you know, everything came together on that day. I've tried several times to go sub 24. So it, my body has been, like you said, me, and I had the race of a lifetime. Um, but then I just started to feel like I was reaching the limit of where I could go. Um, you know, I'm going out and running 70 miles a week and staying relatively injury free. But I felt like I was reaching a plateau. Um, I wasn't doing any cross training um, and I wasn't really paying attention to what I was eating. I would go to Wawa and have thousand calorie subs after a long run. Absolutely loved beer. I mean, I was going out to the breweries three or four or five nights a week. Um, I mean, only having a couple beers, but it all adds up. And so I just felt like I was reaching the limit of where I could go. Um, And so one of my training partners suggested that I talk to her nutritionist. um, And I did and joined the gym that she works through, a CrossFit gym. And so now I log everything I eat. um, And I, you know, I love it. A lot of people see logging as a chore. Um, I see it as a challenge. And so you know, trying to fit everything into my macros and my calorie counts and, and make sure that I'm fueling my body for success, timing all my meals properly. And then also going to the gym three to four days a week on top of um, all the running to make sure that I'm treating my body correctly and, and staying injury free.
0: And how has your relationship changed with alcohol or has it changed?
1: So honestly, when I first, my first nutritionist appointment um, she asked me what my non negotiables were, and I said, I'm not giving up beer at all. Hands down, I love beer, I love the taste, um, and that's a non negotiable for me. And now I find myself saying, Well, I'm putting in all this hard work, I'm seeing the results, I don't want the beer. So, I mean, I still probably have two, three drinks a week, um, but seeing as I was having two to three a night before, um, I've definitely cut way back.
0: Yeah. It's a big difference for sure. I, I started doing that as well recently. So, you know, basically i say the first five, six months of 2021, which isn't a whole lot different than 2020, frankly. Um, <laughs> I was having like one or two drinks a night basically. And I would, there would probably be one night a month where I wouldn't have like a drink. Right. I mean, I don't I can't even remember the last time I was drunk. I mean, honestly, it might have been three years ago, but I'm just guessing. I can't even remember when that was. But I would always have something. Usually it was wine yeah. for me. Um, but you know, I also like beer, so whatever. But it was funny. Like for me, the difference was um I got the the whoop strap. So what the basic the main reason I got it was the HRV number. So the heart rate variability score, which is which was you know, way of, and you, I'm sure you already know this. I'm just saying it, you know, just for like for the show and people who are listening who might not be familiar with it, uh, it measures kind of like the gap between heartbeats. And that can usually be an indicator of how fatigued and or unfatigued you are. Uh, so for me, seeing that and then also seeing, you know, doing my own research into terms of like, all right, what affects HRV beyond like, you know, strain and sleep and things like that. And it seems like the the, the the two biggest things were age, right? So if you're 20 versus 60, you're going to be the age ranges are just the, the HRV ranges are just different as you as you age. In addition to that, the other big thing was alcohol, and it was like even yeah. one drink can make a difference in your HRV. It's like, all right, well I'll give this a try, you know. And so I'm kind of like right now, like I'm on this little personal experiment to see how it's going to affect it because when I thought about alcohol I thought of it in terms of like all right is it affecting my fueling yes or no like I don't think it is I don't think it is affecting my fueling as long as I'm not like staying up late to like eat fourth meal or something you know what I mean um yeah I never thought about it in terms of its effect on recovery and it's so interesting for me to like kind of go in this whole new to to go without drinking alcohol but for a reason I never would have imagined even like a couple months ago
1: yeah and it I think um, my nutritionist also said, you know, it stays in your body for 24 to 48 hours after the drink. And so even if you don't feel the effects of one drink, it's still there. Um, and so, you know, it's going to limit your results. It's going to limit your ability to push just that little bit harder. Um, and so a lot of times I find myself now, it's just not worth it.
0: So when you say that you weren't doing cross training did you mean like More aerobic conditioning? Or are you talking about like strength training?
1: Strength training. So the only thing I was doing outside of running was my son is huge into Pokemon. So we would walk two to three miles several nights a week so that he could catch his Pokemon. That was the only thing activity-wise I was doing outside of running um, up until February.
0: So are you doing CrossFit or are you just doing some Olympic lifts in a CrossFit gym and things like that?
1: Nope. So I go to, um, CrossFit or fit classes three to four days a week now. Um, and I try and do it on my easy run days. So, you know, if I have eight miles of running, I'll either start at four thirty, go to CrossFit at six, or sometimes I'll split it in between. If I'm going to fit class at 5.00 AM, I'll do, you know, four miles beforehand, four miles after, or in the afternoon, just try and fit it all in.
0: And what's happened in the last few months?
1: I, I mean, the pictures speak for themselves, but a huge transformation. I've set a 5K PR, a mile PR. Um, I definitely feel like I could set a half marathon PR. i training now for another 100 in September. I'm going to try and uh, beat the 2210. I'm By far the best shape of my life. Um, and it's all coming together, I feel like.
0: Have you had to change your mileage because you're putting this new stressor in on your system?
1: I haven't. Um, and I'm definitely in tune with my body. So, you know, I, I'm very stubborn. I will say that. Um, so I, I, I like to stick to the plan. Um, but I do feel like with the fueling, with getting more sleep, with hydrating properly, water has been another huge change for me. Um, I feel like my body can handle the additional strength training with the mileage that I was already putting in.
0: Now you say you you like to stick to the plan. Are you creating the plan or are you working with a coach now?
1: Um, I'm creating the plan off of plans that I've used in the past. I do not have a coach.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, some people have coaches for different reasons. Like for me, I've always needed a coach for accountability because oftentimes (laughs) I would just slack or I'd rationalize and things like that. You definitely don't seem like that kind of person. <laughs> That's for sure.
1: No, true. And, and honestly, I tell people I feel like I'm uncoachable because I don't listen. I kind of do what I want. Um,
0: they and better so I t- have a coach. Then why, <laughs> why waste the money?
1: Exactly. Like, you could tell me what to do all day long. Now, my nutritionist, I listen to to a T. So maybe there's That's hope true. for me, but... Um, yeah, as far as distance and speed work, um, I kind of, sometimes I'll do what the group's doing. Sometimes I'll come up with my own thing. Sometimes I just want to throw in my repeats. Um, so I kind of just do my own thing and it seems to work.
0: Yeah, and I think the whole social element here is different too because you're, obviously you're super experienced. In addition to that, you're running with people who are super experienced. So I think, feel like that social element also provides a system where, Uh, It's not like you're the only one. You're you're out there in the wilderness, literally and figuratively, by yourself, trying to figure it out. It's 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 much more collaborative. It seems like
1: absolutely. I think this past weekend, hey, I want to do five by one point five mile repeats at a sub eight pace, and you know, I knew that I'd have at least one taker, and so my friend Joe's out there, you know, killing it along with me. So you know, I got to chase her for the mile and a half repeats instead of just dying on my
0: own. Or is there communication happening before you meet up in the morning or do people just walk up to the group and be like, is it like, like I'm imagining, um, like an auction, you know, like that, that show where they have like, um, what's it called? Like there's these, uh, they go to the, uh, not cubicles, but the storage spaces, they go to the yeah, storage, storage, storage space. wars, storage wars. It's like yeah. storage wars when people just walk up and it's just like, I want to do this. And like, who's in? And then they start figuring it out.
1: Now, we have a couple of girls that do have coaches. And so they'll post their, especially on speed work days. Um, they'll post their speed work ahead of time. And, you know, people will either say, I'm in, I'm not, I'm going to do this instead. I'm going to do this. Oh, my body needs an easy day. Um, so before we show up, we have a good idea of who's doing what now, sometimes, you know, FOMO kicks in and somebody, Joins in at the last minute. Sometimes somebody shows up super tired and they just don't feel like doing it. Um, But for the most part, we coordinate ahead of time.
0: This is awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this stuff. This is so interesting to me. And I'm really excited to see how the 100-miler goes. Maybe you can come back on after that and tell us how it went and give us a full analysis of what the preceding nine months did and, you know, and how it affected you when it came to race day. What do you have on tap for the rest of the summer?
1: Um, I have several, I have a 50 K next weekend, um, Lake Baldwin in Orlando. I'm doing, um, St. Pete six hour. Um, I have a 46 mile Pinellas trail challenge, which last year was the worst experience of my life. So why not sign up again? Um, and then I'm pacing some races, uh, in early fall that I'm so glad pacing is back and I'm so excited to get back out there pacing.
0: All right. That was supposed to be the last question, but now I have a follow-up. Uh,
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: How long after the 100 miler is the first pacing assignment?
1: Um, maybe. Well, I have one the week before, and then I think maybe a couple weeks later. I have done – I paced a half marathon the week after 100 before. Don't recommend it, but it's AJ, doable. You
0: are – you are something else, man. <laughs> this is so, uh, man, this is wild. I'm sitting here as someone who like put off a run today because of uh, tropical storm. Elsa was Elsa. like, was was flying through and it's just coming to an end now. And I'll, I'll head out later, but I'm like, I should run this morning. Look at what JJ is doing. She's doing all <laughs> sorts of stuff and I'm like putting off runs.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: I love it. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. And we are excited to follow you as you progress through this summer and Keep cranking out amazing thing after amazing thing.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun.
0: Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. I told you. I told you in the intro. What an absolutely amazing person. I'm so excited to get her back on the show. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you could do anything for the show besides checking on our sponsors, which is always a huge help, not only for me, but for you, because people who sponsor this show, they're the real deal. Uh, if you could do a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever, uh, you know, certain, certain podcast platforms don't have rating and reviews. I know Spotify doesn't, but Apple does, and some others do as well. If you go rate and review the show, it helps. It really does. So uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.